0: Welcome to episode 19 of Tall Poppy. I'm your host, Tathra Street. Today we talk to Alicia Darvall, the CEO of B-Labs Australia New Zealand, which is the not-for-profit arm of b Corps that nurtures the community of benefit corporations and assists businesses on their path to becoming b corps certified. If you're a regular listener, you know that I'm a huge fan of business for good, and that's what b Corps is all about. The idea is to harness the power of private enterprise to create public benefit, hence B Corp, or Benefit Corporation. This is an idea whose time has come. It's been going in the U.S. for about a decade, and here in Australia, an emerging community has been building over the last four years. And community is a huge part of the benefit of B Corp certification, not to mention the reputational and ethical cred that comes with being a B Corp. As you'll hear, it's not the only reason businesses are signing up. This conversation gives us fuller understanding of why b Corps, as well as the advantages and a little bit about the process. By the end of the episode, you'll be clamoring to do the assessment on your own business or the company you work for, so you too can become part of the movement towards a world of benefit corporations. Have a listen. We are here with Alicia Darvel, who is the CEO of B Lab Australia and New Zealand. So, welcome, Alicia.
1: Thank you very much. It's a
0: pleasure to be here. So, um, tell me about the relationship between B Lab and B Corp.
1: Sure. So um, I work for B-Lab, which is the not-for-profit that certifies B Corps in Australia and New Zealand. So effectively, our role is to convince you to become a B Corp and manage you through the process. And then once you go through the certification, which is all done through the US, we then uh, welcome you into our Australia and New Zealand community.
0: Excellent. So for the listeners that don't actually know what B Corp is or Mm -hmm. what B Corps are, can you give us a bit of a sense of, of what that's about?
1: Sure. Sure. Um, a B Corp is a for-profit business which is set up to solve social and environmental problems predominantly and they hold themselves to a greater degree of accountability around their governance, their workers, the environment and community and they are certified by B Lab.
0: And how long has it been going?
1: There have been B Corps in Australia and New Zealand for four years now and globally we're coming up for the 10th um, mm. year exciting of, um, of B Corps yeah this year so there's a um, now over 2,000 B Corps globally
0: and how are the numbers in Australia at this point uh,
1: in Australia New Zealand we have um, 165 B Corps we're the third biggest territory in the world wow that's yeah, exciting. it's an idea
0: that's time has come Ah, uh, fabulous so can we talk a little bit about enterprise that is for good and that's purpose-based sure why why is that important
1: uh, so many people, um, many entrepreneurs set up a business to solve a perceived problem, I guess, um, something that's missing in their world. And the difference between um, a for-profit business and then a for-purpose business is that the for-purpose business is trying to solve a specific issue. So they add a I guess a layer of complexity and drive to their business around solving this social and environmental issue. And so um, a for-purpose business is set up to both serve their shareholders, Or the entrepreneur in the early days and their stakeholders so it's this idea that business might be able within its um, economic mechanism to look after the community the environment and the employees as well as provide a profit
0: Um, and is that social enterprise or is it different
1: oh it's it's similar so social enterprise is a big spectrum so i think if you talk about social business on a spectrum um you probably start at one end with charity which is um completely driven by donation and philanthropy and grants. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have social enterprise, which is sometimes not-for-profit, sometimes for-profit often starts with grants um, and then you have social business um, and social business is for profit business that um is driven market driven um, and then you tend to go to um business as usual business with csr and then business as usual oh, so it's kind know. of a spectrum but social enterprise um there are many b corps at social enterprises but um social enterprise has a slightly different different definition in, in australia but uh, It's an overlap. Um, So
0: can we talk about the community in um, Australia and New Zealand? Yeah. Um, When people become or when a business becomes a B Corps, um, what can they expect as far as the the community goes?
1: Sure. Um, There's a really exciting community in Australia and New Zealand. There is... um, over seventy B Corps in Victoria alone. Um, it's growing rapidly in New South Wales. Our biggest B Corps are in Brisbane, Canberra, and Adelaide. When you say biggest, do you mean biggest as far as uh, turnover? Uh, turnover, uh, but, okay. Yes, biggest, biggest businesses. Yeah, gotcha. On all stats, really. Yeah, okay. Um, and um, we've got a rapidly growing community in New Zealand with a strong um, community in Christchurch. Hmm. Uh, again, there's another really interesting regional community on the um, in Albury-Wodonga, growing oh. rapidly. Oh, so. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so there's hubs of B Corps um, and the B Corps get together regularly um, and there's a real sense now that the they are trading together um, and working together. There's also um, a great deal of um, uh, one B Corp, B Corping their supply chain, I guess. So that sense that if you're looking for a new lawyer or accountant, or indeed you're looking for a new employee engagement tool, you're more likely to go and trade with another B Corp because they've got that same values overlay and you know that you'll be able to go straight in and have a conversation with them without having to wonder whether how, how they run their business. Mm. Equally, it's become incredibly important for employee engagement and retention. So um, frequently, if you go into a room full of B Corps, um, a third of the people in the room will say they work for their company or they got the job or applied for the job because it was a B Corp. So, um, it seems
0: to be becoming more important for people these days. Totally. I think the
1: research is showing... Oh very much that um, millennials no longer want to check their values at the door when they go and work for a company. They want to work for a company that is aligned with who they think they are and and who they want to be.
0: I've heard that um, baby boomers also are more interested in in purpose-driven organisations. I was going to say that for sure, yes. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And I'm a a Gen Xer and I'm a mother and, you know, the reason why I go to work other than the obvious financial implications (laughs) and leave my daughter is that sense that I am really contributing. So I don't think it's the domain of the millennials alone, but there's a lot of research showing now, um, particularly through Deloitte, about the millennial drive for the workforce. Mm -hmm. And it really makes sense. I mean, uh, that idea of working, work a long time to work somewhere that alliance with your values is such a motivator
0: hmm. so can we um, jump back into uh, a little bit about who you are and and how you got to where you are?
1: absolutely um so i used to call myself a launch manager so i'm the second hire frequently for entrepreneurs i run festivals and events i I ran moonlight cinema melbourne fringe festival i worked for a long time for the melbourne fashion festival i spent uh three years living in los angeles working with the founder of moonlight cinema to try and set up outdoor cinemas in the states um and i really enjoy working with creative people to get ideas off the ground so um I have uh, a rather varied career, but predominantly working for the same people time and time again to get yet another idea off the ground. I had a brief interlude where I worked for Gordon Ramsay trying to set up or working on his new restaurant in Melbourne, and I was the Australian person trying to give context to a
0: British business. Wow, interesting. So, I mean, we've talked a bit about values. What are the values that are important to you for your leadership? Um,
1: I'm a Big fan of everyone lifting together. Um, I'm a particularly strong advocate um, for giving people enough room to find their feet and an uh, opportunity to, to shine. Um, I'm a big believer in trying to work out how to open the doors for the team around me so that they can walk through them, mm-hmm. but they need to walk through them. Mm-hmm. My values for leadership are very much um, increasingly I find I'm particularly driven to transparency and telling the truth regardless of the
0: implications. Uh, I can
1: imagine that puts you
0: in pretty sticky situations at times.
1: As a leader, one of the things you have to come to terms with is the willingness not to be liked first. I think while you're trying to make friends with everyone in the room, you can't be the leader they need you to be. I Mm -hmm. think there's a, I would aim for a consistency um, and supporting the team over, um, you know, being their best friend. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. So is there something that in your career or your experience that motivated you to change yourself to improve your leadership?
1: I think we're constantly changing. I'd like to think I'm ever evolving and reflecting. There's been a number of times, I I mean, I've been retrenched. I've been, um, uh, I, uh, I've been locked out. That was quite spectacular. That was the um, that was the Gordon Ramsay thing. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> was big. He locked out the whole restaurant. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I think there is. I think what has made me really think through my leadership is um, the cost of being a leader to my family and the need for balance. I think if you run festivals and events, which I did for a long time, the all in, the high energy. The startup scene is pretty um, all-encompassing, but it doesn't always end well, which is good. You know, I think failure is – there's a lot to be learned from failure. But I think as I grow older, I realize that can't be a cost to family and friends.
0: Mm. I'm thinking of, I used to do a fair bit of um, conferences and there always was this post-event drop mm. um, and that sort of led me to uh, valuing self-care and I'm curious if there are any um, words of advice you have for people if they're doing, whether it's events, conferences or or just have you know big projects, what uh, self-care advice do you have for people after big events?
1: Uh, I used to call it the post-festival blues um, when you started working what exactly it is you wore, ate and who it was you used to go out with on weekends. I think there is um, something really compelling about being kind to those around you even while you're under phenomenal pressure. I think kindness is incredibly important Um, and so I think finding a way not to take the pressure of work home with you is is important because that then obviously um, all the times that you're kind in your interactions means that you get the same back. So I'm, I'm mindful of that. Um, I, you know, I can say you should do yoga and do exercise and all that sort of stuff, but you don't. I, I think it's about um, reducing the amount of time that you're sucked into your event as much as possible and being really mindful and aware that this is a short time, um, uh, that, that this will be all encompassing and that you can't give everything, you, you, that you I guess you almost need to ask a leave pass from family and friends while you're um, while you're out mm. that and make sure you've picked out all your outfits in advance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious if I mean because seems to be such a great concept that it's hard to imagine that you might have critics of this kind of work. But are, are there are there people who are sort of naysayers around this work or around your approach to this work?
1: I think there are a lot of um, trailblazers who don't believe they need a third-party certification, and I, I think that's really, you know, quite fair enough. And there are there were people operating like B Corps long before B Corp existed. So we don't claim to have invented this idea of purpose with, profit with purpose. Um, B Lab was set up to support the entrepreneurs who are trying to change the world, and it's very much about shining a light on those. And we were set up to, I guess, um, manage a number of uh, shortfalls that we thought they were finding. And one of them was this credible third-party standards. Um, The other was the need for legal reform. And the third was this opportunity to have more awareness about what they were doing and build trust. And so... um, what I think about the critics it's rarely critics it's more that they're running so fast um, themselves Mm -hmm. so say you are trying to change the world with business it's a big ask and it's a it's a tall climb and do you really want to stop and spend the time doing these standards and effectively writing policies and procedures when you could be just out doing it and so I think rarely is it a we don't need that. There's no role for that. But there's the more why now, is the bigger question we face. Um, and so, the biggest scenario for us in the over 1,000 businesses that have started the impact assessment is why they should put that to the top of their to-do list when they have a burning pile of other things in front Mm, of them.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Um, You mentioned legal reform. and I know that's something that's sort of on the agenda at the moment. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure. So
1: um, when we started um, in the US, as I said, there, there was this real sense that we needed to find a third party or create a third party endorsement to show companies were walking the talk and not greenwashing. But um, I think of that certification as being a bit like a management tool, which is really cool. And it's really important for a manager to be able to articulate clearly to suppliers, to customers and to employees that this is why they're different and that someone else is, 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 whole, is standing up behind them, which is B-Lab. But the other thing that's super important is the director's table and um, that opportunity to make sure that your business with purpose stays on purpose if there's a change in control. So, say you build your business up, and you um, need to take on investment to build up your business, and you sell a percentage of your business. They take equity. What if your investor suddenly says, "Huh, I don't really buy into this whole profit purpose thing. It, let's get the pur- you know the profit sorted. You can worry about the purpose later." Now, what if that happens? And suddenly half your directors around your table aren't on board um, and you find yourself no longer running the kind of business you want to run. That's happened many times. And there's some really interesting articles from G Diapers, Jason Graham Nye, about what it meant for them when they realized their investors weren't. Who they should be The other opportunity is if you want to scale your business and launch um, through the stock exchange then how do you also maintain that control when you have all that desire to maintain your purpose um, and that was one that thing that Etsy looked into really clearly when they launched on the New York Stock Exchange so when they launched all their launch documents talked about the value of their community as being key to the um, uh, value proposition of their business and the importance of their stakeholders which is really fascinating and then um another interesting situation that um businesses are forced to address i guess is the point that you want to exit through retirement um and so Patagonia's fascinating Yvon Chouinard who set up you know the one of the most interesting for-profit businesses in the world and one of the most environmentally sound and um strongest advocates we ever see Yvonne Chouinard became a benefit corporation not because he needed B Corp to tell him how to run a good business, but because he wanted to know what the next two generations were going to do to his business. So... Mm. By creating this new legal form, we allow an entrepreneur to embed the purpose into their constitution. We ask the directors to expand their duties so that they look after both stakeholders and shareholders. So when they're making decisions at the board table, they think about both. Um, And then we ask them to report on it annually. So as a stakeholder, you can ask to see how the directors are managing your interests as well as the the shareholders.
0: So is that something that is currently in place as part of becoming a B Corps? No, it's not. Um,
1: in the US, they created a new legal form. So we we had a look at Australian Corporations Act. Um, I love talking about corporations law. I do it at length. I never thought I would, but um, the Australian Corporations Act says that a director must act in the best interest of the company. And in theory, that's both shareholders and stakeholders. But the reality is that shareholders, directors have become more and more risk adverse and more and more short term in their views. And so what we want to do is create a new legal form, which is the Benefit corporation or the benefit company in Australia and New Zealand which would allow a director which would allow a company to opt in so um, you wouldn't all companies wouldn't become benefit companies but a for-profit for-purpose business would set up as a benefit company and then when they take on investment they would say to investors here's our purpose, Mm -hmm. here's the issues that we face around the director's table. Likewise, if they were to exit the business through retirement, uh, the generations to come would know that this was why the business was established and be able to make decisions based on that purpose.
0: So what's it going to take for this form to become a reality?
1: Oh, it should be a breeze. Um, uh, It requires a federal legal reform, federal legislation
0: reform. And do you have Uh, much support for
1: that at the moment? Uh, Yes. Yeah, (laughs) uh, we really do. Um, So it's had bipartisan support internationally. And in Australia, um, we're we're getting largely bipartisan support. Um, What we will require is federally for the Corps Act to be changed and we've drafted uh, legal amendments. We've had a working policy group for the last 18 months who have drafted how we'd like to see the legislation change and we're now out talking to government. And so we've had positive response from both Kelly O'Dwyer's office and there's um, a couple of senators who are particularly interested and then both the Greens and the Labor Party have, have expressed support. So it's a, it's a I, mean, I think one of the things that I'm finding most surprising as a leader to in dealing with government and trying to create legal reform is that it's a deeply opaque process
0: right so thinking about our listeners and how um you know some of them may be working for b core some of oh. them um, may not be in a position to to take that action is there a way that people can support the advancement of this change to the corporations act
1: yes and no i mean they, our website which um Uh, has a lot of information on what we're trying to achieve at the moment. Currently, we've asked the government to review the legislation and then what we think is most likely is that they will put it out for public comment. And at that stage, we would love comment. Uh, So on our website, there's the opportunity to sign up for updates Mm -hmm. and we gleefully share those. Um, We're not yet at the point where we necessarily need um, we necessarily need a lot of public comment. However, if they have strong links to government, particularly any ministers, we'd be thrilled to hear from them because we're doing lots of lobbying.
0: Mm, great. So um, what if someone wants to become a big, what advice do you have? Um, the
1: certification itself is free and confidential. And so I reckon every business should log on and go through the impact assessment. It is, you can do a baseline run through in about 90 minutes and I recommend if you have a business or you you know you feel passionately and you work for a business that you sit down and just have a go and don't get too bogged down in the detail just so that you can get a sense of how close you are to the 80 out of 200 points
0: you need and so can you say a little bit about what that means to, to need 80 out of 200 points absolutely
1: so the impact assessment is holistic so it looks into every aspect of your business and there are 78 versions of the impact assessment depending on whether you're in a developed or developing nation what's sector you're in how many business how many people who work in your business Mm -hmm. Um, and so you log on to our assessment as I said free and confidential and start answering the questions so the questions are like what's the ratio between the highest paid staff member and the lowest paid power do you use Uh, do you have volunteering policy in your company what's your paternity leave policy so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So it essentially tries to measure whether what you say you're doing and whether or not you're achieving it. Nice. So yeah. our uh, assessment is about measuring purpose. So we're not trying to trip you up, we're trying to. And measure how effectively you do what you say mm-hmm. you're doing and so we don't it's not it's a positive assessment you don't lose points but you need to be running a pretty extraordinary business to become a b corp it's it's, it's a pretty demanding assessment
0: so um, rigorous can, like you s- can you say a bit more about the support that's available for people if they want to pursue this path
1: Yes, we run regular. More, we run two regular events, and one is a morning tea, which is just an introductory session where you can come, ask questions, and we do a short presentation. And we ask one of the B corps to come and do a testimonial about why they became a B corp. And we run them in Melbourne and Sydney really regularly, and less regularly in other states.
0: And um, is that something they do in the US as well?
1: Uh, we all build our communities differently. Okay, um, Australia probably we're very hands on because I think it's really important for Australian entrepreneurs to hear from the horse's mouth and I think that testimonial is really key and we're you know the US have been doing this for 10 years we're building a young community Mm. so it's really important for us that any entrepreneurs see that they would be joining a local community and not just a, a global movement. Mm-hmm. Both of which are important.
0: Yeah, because we've got quite a few listeners in the US and, and other parts ah, of the world as okay. well. so um, so so the US and um, all around the world, we do mar- uh,
1: we do webinars, and so that um, you can log on to either the B Corp American website or the Australian website, and both of us have events. So mostly you just log on. The assessment itself has a whole lot of tips and tricks. It has um, examples of templates you might use. So it's pretty self-explanatory. But in Australia we like to supplement that as much as possible and so we also run masterclasses and so uh, you can sit with Mindy Liao and do um, pretty much bring your laptop and she'll help you work through until you press submit. And often that's about as it's as much a making an appointment with yourself to give yourself the time as mm-hmm. it is having that help. Mm-hmm. We're a big fan of getting people together to have that discussion about why they want might want to be a B Corp so that we really, mm-hmm. as I said, are just trying to um, create Opportunities for the B Corps to thrive and often that first opportunity is to meet with other people before you certify to really understand why you're doing it.
0: So I'm thinking of this community of businesses that are gathering to make a difference and to change the world and to for this thriving community in the future as it grows. What difference do you think it'll make once there that it becomes more more the norm for people to become B-corps?
1: I think that the B Corps will flourish. I think there's a rigour that the certification requires and it's a quite a strong tool for innovation and a really strong tool for employee engagement. So the first time you certify tends to be a bit of a battle, but then you recertify every two years and this really strong companies are setting up internal B-corp committees um of every range of the business from you know from entry level to chair people are sitting on these committees and they are looking at how they might improve their score and improving their score is effectively making their business stronger more resilient uh, more environmentally efficient um more appealing to employees and so i think customers i would imagine yeah totally customers i think they're latecomers, but still customers Mm. um so I think that the B Corp certification will stand for a really resilient business.
0: The extension of that question is what, what difference is it going to make? Like when 10% of businesses are B Corp's, 25% of businesses are B Corp's, what, what will the world look like?
1: Uh, I think it's more that how can you not be a B Corp? So um, I think the businesses that aren't using some method of Of standards or third-party assessment to show that they're doing what they say they're doing, particularly private business. I think that the risk to them will be so great that they will be looking for alternatives. So there may be 10 different versions of the certification in time, and that's perfect. You Mm. know, there's a lot of ways to climb the mountain. And what we're ultimately about is creating a shared and durable prosperity for all. And we can't lift all those around us unless every decision we're making, we're taking into account the environment, community and workers as well as our shareholders. Mm. Um, And I think this... every boardroom table around Australia now would be looking at their ESG, so environmental, social and governance, when they're making decisions. They can't afford not to. So I think the B Corp goes from um, companies currently now who are trying to mitigate risk by looking into their assets and their people to being really proactive, Um, and I think that it won't take long. I I think it's going to be, you know, for, for for. big business and small business um, all around Australia to be looking to B Corp type certifications um, in the future.
0: So I'm thinking even even bigger picture, what difference is it going to make in, you know, is it going to mean that more people are happy at work? Is it going to mean that we're going to have more, you know, protection for threatened areas? Uh, like is can I, business make that kind of difference?
1: I would like to say that business is going to save the world. I just, I, I guess um, I think we're in a really Interesting place in the world right now. I think that it's clear that the not-for-profit sector can't cope with the demand of the wicked problems, um, particularly as government funding walks further and further away. So, is it more
0: about sharing the load? I think it's more about,
1: and, and I was going to say, in the next party government, I mean, no longer do we look to government for leadership? It's clear from Brexit and, and the US and even, you know, in Australia and our own backdoor that government isn't showing the leadership we want anymore. So I think business really has to step up. Mm. And I just noticed a tweet um, from the founder of Airbnb only this morning saying that all the... People who are being stranded by Trump's new refugee policy are welcome to come stay at Airbnb mm. in them. And so, I mean, that is just an extraordinary, extraordinary leadership play. Absolutely. And so what I think will happen is that we will increasingly look to the brands and businesses we love and trust to show leadership that we don't get from government. Mm. Um, and so I think that there's a massive opportunity for business to thrive by being really strongly associated with what they believe in. Mm. I think for a long time business has been too scared to stick their head above the pulpit and make a strong statement, um, whereas I think the time has come for that to happen, mm. and I think those businesses that are doing that are thriving. As to I, I don't think globalisation has been, you know, globalised business has been the, the the fail-safe we hoped it would be, um, so I think what will become more and more interesting is as we all look for people to trust what will it take for us to trust um, and so I think that's the how you manage your reputation as a business and how you look after stakeholders and keep your employees and customers um, uh, aligned to you is going to be the big question of the next you know five to ten years.
0: So there's a lot of talk about you know, the future of work, automation, the impact that it's going to have on the workforce. What do you, can you say a little bit more about what you see in the future that's important for us to pay attention to and how business with more of a purpose orientation rather than a profit orientation can, what what path might they take in in preparing for or or facing this, you know, the future that's looking quite different than today? Uh,
1: I think they take a quite local path. I think that really that sense of how, to you as a business, impact the 10 kilometres, the 20, the 30 kilometres around you is really compelling. One of my favourite B Corps is a company called Greystone Bakery in um, upstate New York, and they make all the brownies for Ben and Jerry's. Uh, anyone can come work for them. You don't have to have any employment history at all so they take um long-term unemployed they take newly released prisoners and they will spend the time getting you up to speed getting you working in their factories and so increasingly i think we look to the values of the entrepreneurs and the values of the business to play out in the day-to-day operating of their business i know that um Uh, Another B Corp in Sydney um, called Mark Lawyers have a really strong tie to refugees and are really um, compassionate towards the plight of refugees in Australia and they went to talk to the refugees in Parramatta to find out what they needed and one of the biggest issues they need is links into the city. And so, all many of their staff have started mentoring refugees in, um, so to help them understand how the city of Sydney works. They've mm-hmm. gone and they're, they're hanging out with them to work out how the city works, mm-hmm. how to get a job, how to get a tram, how to. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. So, I think that real the real opportunity for business is to is to look locally and how you can solve. The, the local issues. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, the Paul Pullmans of this world from Unilever who's talking about um, some pretty significant trying to raise people out of poverty and other things through Unilever, absolutely compelling. Mm. Um, likewise, the uh, $25 million that Patagonia has put towards impact investing in environmental issues. Awesome. But that can be scaled. Mm. So thinking about closing the loop on your product is really interesting and whole kids have just recently done that. So whole kids who do kids' snack products have um, worked out how to recycle their packaging into outdoor furniture for parks and gardens for kids. Fantastic. So, you know, I, I think it's that driving your purpose into every aspect of your business mm. is what's going to change the world. I, I'm a really big believer that local counts.
0: Excellent. So can you say a little bit about advice that you might have for people who are wanting to, whether they're part of a business or they're wanting to start a business or they've got a project, there's something that they want to put into the world that will make a difference? Perhaps they're feeling a bit reluctant or a bit you know, like there's lots of obstacles. So what what advice would you have for people?
1: Oh, I'm a big fan of just ship it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) There's a concept uh, that I learned about um, called betapreneur. So Mm. essentially you put yourself into beta, you just get going. So don't take a fancy office, don't put on lots of staff, just start. And it's not till you start what you're doing and start iterating that you will know whether or not you've got something, whether or not you are solving the problem that you seek to solve or, in fact, something else. I think um, one of the greatest examples of that is Sendel, uh, who are in New South Wales, B Corp. Uh, James Moody, Chin Moody, who, who founded it, uh, was really interested in solving the issue about upscaling. So his view is that, you know, a bicycle has a very short life cycle with a family when a kid grows out of it. What do you do with it next? If you send it to waste, then, um, you know, obviously massive environmental impact. So he designed a system to essentially allow me to give the bicycle to you wherever you are in Australia by putting the bicycle on my front porch. You paid $10 flat fee to have the bicycle brought to your house was gone from my house it goes to your house it's kept out of trash um and and you'll keep to enjoy it wow that's great so they started to um to share after not very long i suspect a year or so they worked out that actually the really interesting thing wasn't the relationship between you and i although that's compelling that was they had created this amazing logistics network to move products from seat consumer to consumer without Removing the barrier of the first uh, two kilometers of you having to go to the post office, so suddenly they created this carbon neutral uh, career system from consumer to consumer, which was um, cheaper than Australia Post or the same price as Australia Post, mm. and took all the hassle out of consumer to consumer relationships. Mm. So, they Two Share ultimately, I think, got mothballed, and now Sendle is one of the, um, I guess, most prized for purpose businesses in terms of impact investment in Australia at the moment. Mm,
0: Interesting. So they pivoted. So one of the, speaking of pivoting, one of the things that I've been hearing, especially solopreneurs who, you know, start with a particular product and then they realize, oh, actually I'm more interested in this or this this seems more appropriate, um, is the idea of instead of, you know, being a business, you are a lab, that you're continually experimenting and innovating and and, and pivoting into into new realms. Um, But I can also imagine from from a brand perspective, that can be challenging as, you know, things change a fair bit. Um, Do you have any any thoughts on that in terms of like, you know, people who are really wanting to be up with as things change, being able to pivot in a way that that works?
1: I can only speak from my experience and um, I have found that in B-Lab what we do best is we do four planning sessions a year. So we sort of do short sprints. So we all get together, we take a day, we down tools and we go, okay, what have we done in the last three months that worked? What doesn't work? all right, let's mothball that. Let's write down why that works. What are our priorities for the next three months? Okay, we'll go on that. And then we sprint and then we reassess. So I think you just can't go too long in between um, that idea of uh, reflecting on what's working and and I guess um, looking at your data um, Mm. and making a new decision. So my advice would be not to get paralysed but to move quickly and move on.
0: That sounds like a familiar framework and I'm curious about the um it has me thinking, is the planning for a year for five years like having the that given things are changing so fast, is it useful to have, you know, a one year plan, a five year plan for, you know, life or business? Or I think, is it easier to do it in those, you know, I think it's day really days? important
1: to understand the purpose of your company. And in, and you need to be able to articulate that. And if you can articulate your purpose, then you can look at your business model and your business plan and work out whether or not you're achieving the purpose. But unless you know the purpose, how do you know you're on track? So um, I think that Keep Cup, for example, Abigail started Keep Cup with the aim to reduce the amount of waste. Um, so she didn't necessarily, she wasn't necessarily looking to provide a product, what she wanted to do was solve an issue Um, and I think it's been fascinating to see in the last few years that as they keep redesigning the product for consumer need, they've also tried to grapple with the big issue of getting you to reuse the cup Um, and so they have a whole movement around saluting the reuser and they also have a really interesting software or website they uh, put together with a company called Thick um, about mapping how many times you use it and I guess okay. creating um, really interesting info around what it means to reuse your keep cup. Mm-hmm. So I think the key bit is understanding your purpose and then actually how you're executing it is up for discussion.
0: So the purpose is more important than the planning perhaps?
1: I think the Purpose leads the planning.
0: Ah, gotcha. Okay.
1: Partly because we're a startup not-for-profit and we're moving so fast, I think it's really compelling to stop Mm. and and check in.
0: So speaking of resources, are there any um, books or other types of resources that you find yourself referring to regularly and, and passing on to others? Certainly there
1: are. I'm a massive fan of the first 90 days. Uh, I'm, and maybe that's, um, that has then driven my work habits, but, mm. uh, it's not a particularly new book. Um, but it's, uh, about how to survive your first 90 days in either a, a new uh, job but, yeah, or as an or as a, a leader, mm-hmm. um, particularly in a new job, even in a new job in the same organization. And I really love it because it, I find the chaos of um, startups and the chaos of new jobs to be really exciting. But if you can capture those brilliant early ideas you have before you understand why they happen, mm-hmm. yet not execute them too early and potentially shoot yourself in the foot, yep. um, there's so much to be gained from those first 90 days. So I recommend that all the time. Mm-hmm. I think I've given away more copies than I own. Yeah, uh, There's a new book to me, um, that was recommended to me recently called The Confidence Code, which is big amongst women in America and it's the subtitle is The Science and Art of Self-Assurance, What Women Should Know, hmm. um, and it's really about um, how you create success in the workplace and uh, a male-dominated workplace and I think almost just the way women sometimes undermine themselves without even realising it, Mm -hmm. Um, so how you become a support network for each other. There was a big interest in social media a few months ago around this concept of spotlighting, um, and uh, the uh, women in the Obama team talked about it. And it's the idea that um, if a woman comes up with an idea other women in the room reflect it back on them rather than waiting for it to be acknowledged or for another member of the team to take it and run with it. Mm-hmm. So they sort of spotlighting the women strategy. in the room. Yeah. Like so her. there's some just really key strategies that I think as a woman in business, it's worth reflecting on no matter how perceived your self-assurance is Mm -hmm. and then I've just had the extraordinary good fortune to um, finish the uh, Williamson Leadership Program which is run by Leadership Victoria which was a really I I totally recommend it to anyone it's a really extraordinary opportunity and a big part of that is we have to stand up and do your true north which is um, a reflection on your values your family and where you come from and I guess ultimately that helps work out why you are the kind of leader you are okay um and it's based on a book called discover your true north and i was Mm, so that one as well right i was so taken by the concept and frightened because there is really nothing quite as frightening as standing up in front of 40 people and talking about who you are from the most you know from from where you've come from so i found that to be um incredibly compelling
0: wow exciting um is there anything else about leadership and people starting their own leadership journeys that you think that's important for people to know? They're
1: never talking about you as much as you think they are. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Relationships are everything and will always be everything. Uh, So don't burn your bridges. Even look after your support networks and and, um, meaningful engagement is, is, is really vital Mm. Um, the time to take tea is, can't be um, uh, underestimated, the value of, of building strategic partnerships, but genuine partnerships is, is, is really important. And I'm a big fan of backing yourself. Um, you know, make a decision, go with it. If it's the wrong decision, change it. But don't not make a decision and um, uh, find your support networks. Keep, uh, keep doing professional development, particularly for women, um, I think we all go, All well, I, I went out of the workforce for a while and went part-time and let all that go. And I really regret it. Having gone back and done the leadership course, there is so much to learn all the time. So either through reading, but mostly through peers, I think finally, I would absolutely recommend people seek mentors.
0: Mm, fantastic. So just before I finish, is there anything else that you think um, you, you want people to know about B Corp and the movement that it is and, and perhaps the why or the vision? I think
1: that the B Corps are extraordinary. I think it's incredibly difficult to run your own business, let alone run with purpose. The greatest gift of becoming a B Corp is that sense of finding your tribe and a room of B Corps hums, absolutely hums. I'm thrilled that this year we're running our first champions retreat in Alice Springs in May and I can't wait to get the B Corps from around Australia and New Zealand together. The other completely compelling part is that sense of being part of a global movement. So you can turn up in any town, almost anywhere in the world, and ring a local B Corp, go out for coffee and ask who's good in the neighbourhood, who they should know. And it's this sort of warm set of um, leads in a new town, in a new city, in a new country. Mm. And it's just because there's that true value proposition that I believe if you have become a B Corp, you must be the kind of person I need to know. Mm. And particularly for solo entrepreneurs or company, big, you know, uh, big companies, that ability to have, find your people is, again, I think totally compelling.
0: Mm. Excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. My pleasure. So are you hanging out to do the assessment to see how your business is going? There's a link in the show notes, and I'll come back to that in a moment. And the list of resources referred to in this interview is full of great companies and the public benefit that comes from doing business with them. Check them out. These are the ones to support if you're interested in for-purpose businesses and using enterprise to benefit society and the future of the planet. Let's recap some of Alicia's advice. Relationships are everything and will always be everything. I totally agree. Companies who emphasize this do well. Meaningful engagement. Those with a more transactional approach. It's just so limited. People want to feel like they matter. I love this one. Back yourself. And keep doing professional development. She suggests reading, but also peers and mentors. Mentors seem to be a bit of a theme, and we'll explore that in an upcoming interview as well. Find your tribe. Connecting to a like-minded group of people, that is the relationships and the meaningful engagement in many ways. How does that look for you? Do you have a tribe? Are you engaging meaningfully and what does that mean to you? Are you backing yourself? And what does that look like? How does it feel? Could you back yourself a little more? Who is part of your tribe? What can you do to reach out and connect and be surrounded by like-minded people? What's it like for you when you do that in a way that's fulfilling for you? Before we finish up, a note about doing the B Corps impact assessment, as I mentioned earlier. I went through the process for the sake of it and to learn about the standard that certified B Corps are holding themselves to and to understand what it means to measure what matters. It was great to have some of the decisions that I've made about things like solar panels and renewable energy have them actually count for something. And it had me thinking more about who I do business with, my banking, and what benefit my services provide. It took me about an hour, though an organization with governance structures might take a bit longer, or just a larger organization. And it had me see actually the value of those structures in a different light too. So if you're curious about your company, even if it's just you, there's actually a lot of sole proprietors that are, that are very highly scoring in, uh, in the assessment, um, in the best for the world list. So you can go to beimpactassessment.net and again you'll find a link in the show notes and any of the companies that we've mentioned also in the show notes. So doing this had me want to support those companies holding themselves to this standard even more than I already did and I hope you do too. Thanks for choosing to listen to Tall Poppy and being part of this community. We are changing the world with each choice we make. A choice to bank ethically to be mindful of disadvantage and to use the privilege we have in ways to promote equality. Asking the questions, being curious about where things come from, where it ends up, who made it and the conditions they work under. Taking responsibility for the impact of our choices. I really believe that the more of us that make these choices and be responsible, there will be a tipping point. We've come a long way, there's a long way to go, but I believe we can harness the power of private enterprise to create public and planetary benefit. And remember, we want your feedback and your thoughts about what you're getting from these podcasts. So email poppy at tathrastreet.com or use the contact form on the website tathrastreet.com. And you can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn. My name is spelt T-A-T-H-R-A, and my last name, street, like road, is S-T-R-E-E-T. Thanks for listening to Tall Poppy, where we explore leadership from a different angle, where we consider our own leadership regardless of our role at work, in business, and life. Help your fellow listeners with a short review to inform their choice to listen or not. This isn't for everyone so thank you for being part of the tall poppy tribe we'll see you next week